WFLF Pine Hills, Orlando, WMGF HD3 Mount Dora, Orlando, and W226BT Orlando. News Radio 93.1 WFLA and iHeart Radio Station. Good morning, Orlando. Good Wednesday morning to you. Glad you're up and at him early here at 6 o'clock, just in time for our first check of Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 93.1 WFLA FM, AM 540, and the iHeart Radio app. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Alan Spector. Our top story this hour, Democrats get ready to debate. Details in one minute. And we'll have a live report from Miami coming up shortly on Good Morning Orlando. 601 on News Radio 93.1. Immigration, climate change, Iraq, and health care, just some of the issues the first set of 10 qualified Democratic hopefuls will debate tonight in downtown Miami. Nova Southeastern University's Charles Zeldin says the goal of the presidential candidates isn't necessarily to win, but they want a good enough showing to qualify for the next round. Because the Democrats are going to keep on raising the bar of what you have to have achieved, either in terms of polling or in terms of fundraising, in order to participate in the debates. The DNC has sanctioned a dozen debates. The first six will be held this year, the next six in 2020. And our man Rory O'Neill is live in Miami. He'll be covering the debates, and he'll have a preview for us right after the news, Alan. And, Bud, while Democrats debate, Republicans will be just feet away sending a different message. GOP organizations and clubs will gather near the Arsh Center tonight and tomorrow night to point out to voters that Democrats are taking the country in the wrong direction. We're there to remind people that they really... They should be debating sea level rise and other issues like that, but they should also be debating the perils of the issues that they're supporting, the socialist issues. Miami-Dade Republican Chair Nelson Diaz says the party of the president will offer you lower taxes, reasonable regulations, and opportunities to grow a business as long as you're a good law-abiding citizen. Eric Rodriguez, News Radio 93.1 WFLA. This news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Orange County teachers are expected to reject a proposed salary agreement approved last night by the school board. Mail-in votes will now be sent to 14,000 members of the teachers union and several board members admitted that teachers are unlikely to go along with it. The agreement includes a 4% pay increase for starting teachers, which equals $500. Yeah, and sky-high increases in health insurance. Uh, we talked about it yesterday. I think you're right on that. I think the teachers will send that down even though it got green-lighted by the school board. We'll see. And that means back to the bargaining table. In Washington, the House has passed a measure to help migrants at the southern border, but it may not get past the Senate or President Trump's veto pen. The $4.5 billion package addresses living conditions for detained migrants. Democratic Congressman Hakeem Jeffries. There are children who are being held in unspeakable Conditions. But the bill has no border security money as requested by the president. A similar bill being considered in the Senate does. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. There's no reason, no excuse, why this non-controversial measure should not get a similar, similar overwhelmingly bipartisan vote here on the floor this week. It includes an extra $180 million for ICE and the Department of Homeland Security. In Washington, Joel Nato, Fox News. The owner of baseball's Tampa Bay Rays is explaining his proposal to split the season between Florida and Montreal, Canada. Stu Sternberg says a full season can't work in St. Petersburg because the area is made up of several small cities and a few large corporations. To force that to happen here when the conditions are not right could be more than damaging, more than damaging to a team, to Major League Baseball, 
and most importantly to a community. Sternberg admits many of the specifics have not been worked out, including which city gets playoff games and how to make up rainouts. The Rays have been at or near the bottom in attendance in Major League Baseball most of the years since their founding in 1998. WFLA News Time 605. A Baltimore mailman delivers marijuana on his postal route. You can find that story at WFLAOrlando.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at WFLA Orlando. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at WFLA Orlando. Good morning, Orlando. But Hedinger, Alan Spector, Michael Yaffe, and Melissa Fox with you until 9 o'clock. And uh, we're going to be touching down on the hottest topics out there, local, national, and uh, looking for your input as well. If you want to join the conversation, we'll be talking about the Democrats' first debate tonight. What are your expectations? Who is the strongest candidate they might emerge with from all of this to try and take down Donald Trump? 407-916-5400 or toll-free 866-916-5400. Text line 23680 where standard message and data rates apply. As Alan and I were discussing, Rory O'Neill, our reporter from right down the hallway here and a great member of our team at WFLA, is uh, providing stations all over the country with live reports uh, on the Democrats' two debates, one tonight, one tomorrow night in Miami, and he'll have a preview for us here in just a moment. We're looking forward to it, so stay tuned on that score, and we'll look forward to your take on the Democrats. Coming right up. And an update of Orlando's news, weather, and traffic is just two minutes away on Good Morning Orlando. It is 6.07. Headlining important breaking news out of Washington, D.C. overnight. Now former special counsel Robert Mueller will testify publicly in the House next month. On July 17th, the man put in charge of the Russia probe will testify in public sessions of the House Judiciary and Intelligence Committees. Those sessions will be followed by closed-door meetings where lawmakers can discuss more sensitive subjects. More on this later in the hour. Updates at least every 10 minutes in our top stories for you here on Good Morning Orlando. Dave Ramsey, weekdays 3 till 5 p.m., News Radio 93.1. So now it begins, ready or not, it's presidential debate season, first of two nights, ten candidates each night debating in Miami, and our man Rory O'Neill from right down the hallway in WFLA, we work with him every day, is the guy who's going to be taking everybody around the country for countless stations through this exercise in presidential politics. Rory joining us live from Miami, the Bud Man here with Alan, Yaffe, and Melissa. Good morning to you, Rory. Morning, Bud. What can you tell us? What do we need to know? Oh, boy, it's really trying to figure out who some of these people are. You know, do you know what Ohio Congressman Tim Ryan looks like on stage? Or, or how about uh, Governor Jay Inslee out of Washington State? It's really going to be an introduction for those far-left candidates who are uh, not really well-known, but it really is the big night for Beto O'Rourke and Elizabeth Warren. We'll see what kind of a showdown these two have. Yeah, Warren is the uh, highest-polling candidate um, by far who's on the stage tonight. Uh, Biden and Bernie and Buttigieg and, uh, and, and Harris and the rest of them who are polling relatively higher than most of these uh, 20 uh, will we'll share the limelight tomorrow. Very interesting the way it's going to go um, 
in Miami tonight. Elizabeth Warren, uh, will her star continue to rise? I guess, guys, would be the big question. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I had a question for Rory. Uh, I was wondering, Rory, um, have they had to make any architectural changes in the Arsht Center down there to accommodate New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio? <laughs> well, he's pretty darn if, tall. If, <laughs> if they do, I appreciate it. If they, <laughs> yes. I'll take advantage of it. <laughs> You're tall, too, Rory. Right. <laughs> hey, Rory, it's Melissa. Uh, how are you? <laughs> yes. I, I was just wondering if you could fanboy for me and see if you could say hi to Lester Holt, because I just love him. And... Oh. <laughs> anyway, Yaffy, do you have a question? <laughs> we, got yeah, a, I... we got a Lester Holt groupie on the staff? Who knew? <laughs> what the heck is that all He's about? He's a bass player. You should know. <laughs> he is. He's very good. Rory Yaffe here. Um, uh, what kind of crowds are expected tonight? Well, you know, it's going to be a lot of the handlers. It's funny, all the press watch this from a separate room. So the spin room and the media watch room are all the same, so they're off to the side. And then the main hall is going to be just uh, the base. <laughs> it's really going to be all their handlers are going to fill most of the plays with all those uh, candidates uh, and their supporters in the hall. So it's not going to be a giant walkers crowd around the Arsht Center, which really is their version of the Dr. Phillips Center, just by comparison. And then, uh, But the press is off to the side with a big spin room uh, that's going to be associated with it. So yeah. it's, we've got 700 credentialed journalists just for this thing. And that, well, that includes the photographers and things like that, but it's uh, just on that side. Yeah, now let's talk format, shall we? It goes on NBC and Telemundo and MSNBC starting at 9 o'clock tonight, and they've got it blocked out until 11. But let's talk about how the format goes, how long you have to answer a question, follow-up questions, all of that. Uh, well, it's it's going to be those standard formats in terms of uh, getting the, um, uh, you know, you have your opening statements and things like that. And then the, that's where the moderator is going to step in and, and set it's going to, the, the rules are a bit loose, um, but it's going to be, you know, actually no opening statements because of the number of candidates who are on the stage. But uh, it's they'll be allowed up to 60 seconds to answer some of the questions uh, as they go along. But that, that's going to be per candidate. So 60 seconds and depending on who the moderator calls on. Yeah. And 30 seconds to respond to follow up. Gang, it sounds it's like it's going to be pretty tight, not any opportunity for, for much depth here. We saw that with the vast field of Republican candidates, you know, in the uh, debate season, uh, you know, and, and Trump dominated immediately, and, and, and that never ended. It'll be very interesting to see how that plays with the Democrats. Yeah, Rory, is there any speculation as to whether the candidates uh, intend to stick to the issues, or will it turn into this circular firing squad where they're just trying to <laughs> knock each other out? I think a lot of them are just going to try to get their name out there. I think for them, especially tonight, is they, they joke they call it the JV debate, the junior varsity debate. Um, you know, Warren and O'Rourke sort of have that name recognition. O'Rourke's campaign sputtered after his launch, uh, so he's going to try to light things up again. But I don't think they're going to be taking on each other at this point. What they're really just talking to, I think, are the donors. They're trying to show that they're a viable candidate worthy of someone writing a check on their behalf. So I think tonight they're really just trying to show that they can be a presidential contender. I don't think they're going to start that circular firing squad yet. You talked about the format of the debate a little earlier. Is it just going to be the moderators asking the questions, or are they going to take questions from the audience? I know they, were, take... they, were, they were soliciting questions from the audience, so they may do it that way, that the moderator asks the questions that were submitted by audience members. Well, this is terrific, Rory. We'll look forward to um, another report from you in our 8 o'clock hour for folks who were joining us on the show this morning. And then uh, we'll have the postmortem from you tomorrow at 6, 10, and 8, 10, and again on Friday morning, Friday after, morning. The, yes. after the second debate. Rory O'Neill on the scene for the Democrat debates in South Florida joining us live. Rory, thanks so much. Thanks, bud. All right, good deal. Hey, let's, 
Let's take a look at the um, the lineup for tonight, okay? Elizabeth Warren is the big star, if you believe the polling, and they're trying to showcase her here and to see if they can make her star rise. Because in my opinion, they don't think Biden's going to be good for the long haul. He's going to play too old, too slow, too slow, make too many mistakes. Bernie's too extreme and much too old. You got Elizabeth Warren, you got Beto O'Rourke, you got Cory Booker, you got Amy Klobuchar, um, you've got Washington Governor Jay Inslee, former HUD Secretary Julian Castro, Hawaii Representative Tulsi Gabbard, who I think is the dark horse here. Watch for her. She's very well-spoken, very likable, very telegenic. And then there's the towering figure out of New York, except when you look at his poll numbers, the mayor, Bill de Blasio, and Ohio Representative Tim Ryan, and former Maryland Representative John Delaney. That's the field of 10 for tonight. So what do you think? How is this going to play tonight? I'm going to be watching it because we're going to need to talk about it tomorrow. But as you look at the Democrats' field, if you are Trump and his team, who is it that concerns you the most that you think would be the toughest competitor when all is said and done? Because the process of finding that person begins in earnest tonight with the first of two back-to-back debates in Miami, right here in the critically important state of Florida, where 29 electoral votes may well decide this election as they have decided many before. So we'll get to all of that in a moment. Join the conversation. How are you feeling about the Democrats? Cakewalk for Trump? Who would be the toughest opponent? 407-916-5400, text line 23680, uh, where standard message and data rates apply. Headlines out of Central Florida for you right now. A man accused of killing a popular attraction at Bush Gardens is dead. Joseph Correo was killed this month when he was hit by a truck in Orlando while walking across State Road 50 near his home. He was arrested three years ago for allegedly killing Pinky the Dancing Flamingo at Bush Gardens by slamming it to the ground at the theme park. Correo was uh, set to go on trial for this in a couple of months. Mm. Updates at least every 10 minutes in our top stories on Good Morning Orlando. Karma. iHeartRadio is the easy-to-use app for music and radio. Download the free iHeartRadio app today. What'd you say? I said karma. I hate to laugh about a fatal like this, you know, involving him and the flamingo, but yeah, it kind of does seem like something at work there. Mm -hmm. Uh, You you always wonder about these things. A lot of folks are wondering about uh, the Democrats here. Uh, for tonight. You know, Elizabeth Warren is great on policy, um, you know, and uh, she'll have her act together and be very well prepared. She's very smart. The The left wing of the Democrat Party is, I think, hopeful that she will be able to carry the torch that they believe Bernie will be unable to carry and, and drag him over the finish line and take down Trump. But I've got to tell you, she has one of the most strident voices I have ever heard, you know, from anybody running for president. And, I mean, she can make Hillary sound mellow. So I don't know how that's going to go tonight. But I, I'm looking for a dark horse, a strong performance by Hawaii representative and Iraq War veteran and moderate Democrat, um, Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard. I mean, she's very well spoken. Um, she's got pretty good credentials. And she's very telegenic. What about Tulsi Galbert, Gabbard? I, I think your points are well taken there. She has one problem, though. She's very low energy. Every time I see her on any on a, any kind of interview, she's just very soft-spoken, which is nice, but 
I think with presidential politics, you have to have a little bit of energy. My guess is she's actually auditioning for either UN ambassador or secretary of state. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, I got a dark horse for you. Marianne Williamson. You know, yeah, she, really? made, she made the cut. She's yeah, got she something. did barely. Yeah, but she did I think better she than... she just picked uh, the one person she didn't know. No, no, just, no. She's a self-help <laughs> guru. But no, come on. She's no Andrew Yang. No, no. But you know what? He's got some of the key stuff, though. He's got that Asian thing going. But I, I just want to throw her in there. She's 66. She's a self-help guru. But she also has some skills, you know. She was there. She, she's been good. She's uh, not a military veteran like uh, your girl, though. I'm sorry. My girl? Yeah. yeah. Tulsi Gabbard? Yeah, she served in the combat zone during the Iraq War, later served in, in, in Kuwait. And she's been focusing on foreign policy a lot during yeah. her campaign so far. Yeah. And, but her main problem is nobody knows her, including me, which is why I haven't commented on Tulsi Gabbard <laughs> up to this point. <laughs> Hawaii. Well, but I'd have to say uh, I really think Elizabeth Warren could be the strongest competitor uh, for a couple of reasons you mentioned. One, she's... Uh, you know, very good on policy. She has well-thought-out programs, uh, and she's able to present them. And the and, party is moving left, and she is very much to the left. And she's shown a propensity to get under President Trump's skin. No doubt about it. I'm very curious about Cory Booker, because he's, you know, he's pretty well-known for the most part. Mm-hmm. I, I've never seen him on a debate stage, so we'll see how that works. Yeah, he's uh, he is on, um, on the stage tonight. Beto O'Rourke, who flamed out once, I don't... I, I, uh, I just don't see him coming back. I don't either. You know, mm-hmm. I really don't. What's on the text line on this is folks uh, scope the Democrats and look ahead. Yeah, one person says not a snowball's chance in you know where for any Democrat over the best president in my lifetime, Donald J. Trump. So we got a MAGA fan on the text line. Predicting a 2020 landslide. Yep. You got somebody on Tulsi. Yeah, best chance for the moderate Democrat party, but the far left doesn't seem to like it very much. No, she yeah, she's not far enough left for him. We'll see, you know. But if she goes high energy tonight, she could be really impressive. She could get agree. some attention, you know. She's very charismatic, and uh, we'll have to see. It reminds me of Carly Fiorina back in the Republican debates. Remember, she was in the second tier, mm-hmm. had a really good debate, and all of a sudden, she was in the first tier. Yeah, yeah. and then Donald Trump didn't like her face. Yeah, well. Yeah. I- <laughs> Well, I still think you got to watch out for Williamson. It'll be hard to say Williamson. that about Tulsi Gabbard. She's quite attractive. Yeah, you um, know, you know, Williamson was a senior advisor to Clinton too, right? I mean, it got does have some credibility. Wait, wait. I'm telling you, it's right. really watch out. pushing that Marianne you, Williamson you campaign. You don't even know who the other one is. But that horse is so dark, I can't even you see it. You asked for a dark <laughs> I horse. I did. I did. But she made it to the stage, so well, we'll see what go. happens. And okay? there were some who did not. That's correct. All right, fair enough. Let's get the news updated right now, and we'll move on, Alan. Bud Orlando breaks a power record, and the Yankees break a power record. Those stories and others, plus traffic and weather together, in just two minutes, 629 on Good Morning Orlando. So, Alan, the heat is on, and in the news, we are all paying for it. This week's heat wave has Orlandoans cranking up the A.C., Bud, and breaking local records for power usage. According to the Orlando Utilities Commission, shortly after 5 o'clock on Monday afternoon, its customers were drawing 1,233 megawatts of electricity. OUC says that's the most power ever used at one moment in the company's 96-year history. The old record was set in August of 2016. As you just heard, AccuWeather is forecasting a high of 96 in Orlando today, and they say that will feel like 
105 degrees. Some cooling forecast later in the week, I'm told. Please. This news <laughs> brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. President Trump says he has no need for an exit strategy on Iran. When they're ready, they'll let us know. Very simple. Ready to do whatever. Doesn't make any difference. Whatever they want to do, I'm ready. The U.S. imposed tough new sanctions on Iran this week. That came after Iran shot down an unmanned U.S. military drone over the Strait of Hormuz. Talking at the White House yesterday, Trump noted that nobody wants to see Iran with a nuclear weapon, and he again defended pulling out of the Iran nuclear accord. He called the Obama-era deal horrible. But he laid down a bright red line for Iran that we need to debate here in a moment, and we will. Now former special counsel Robert Mueller will testify in the House next month. On July 17th, the man put in charge of the Russia probe will testify in public sessions of the House Judiciary and Intelligence Committees. Those sessions will be followed by closed-door meetings where lawmakers can discuss more sensitive subjects. A former Tampa Bay Area mayor is now a convicted criminal. We, the jury, finds as follows. The defendant is guilty of conspiracy to obstruct justice as charged in the information. So say we all this 25th day of June, 2019. Former Port Ritchie Mayor Dale Massad found guilty in connection with a phone call he had in March with the then-acting mayor. Massad asked him to dig into the background of a police officer who was investigating Massad for practicing medicine without a license. Mossad still awaits trial for that investigation, as well as attempted murder for shooting at deputies when they showed up at his house in February. A lightning strike is believed to be the cause of an apartment fire in Goldenrod. Orange County Fire Rescue crews responded last night to the apartments near University Boulevard and North Palmetto Avenue. A dozen or so units were damaged, but no one was injured. And the Bronx Bombers continue living up to their name. The New York Yankees wasting no time breaking a home run record on Tuesday. The 2-2. Hit in the air. Deep left field. If it's fair, it's gone. It is gone. Call courtesy of Yes Network. DJ LeMahieu with a leadoff dinger in the Yanks' first at bat of the game, marking 28 straight games with at least one Yankee hitting a home run, breaking the MLB record held by the 2002 Texas Rangers. The Yanks would go on to beat the Toronto Blue Jays on Tuesday 4-3. to Matt Napolitano, Fox News. You, Amazing. You knew I had to work that in. Buddy. Yeah, Yankee fan. I love it. I am, too. That's quite a record when you give... Yeah, think about the great power teams they've had from Babe Ruth to Mickey Mantle and the rest, you know. Yeah, their old team record was set back in 1941, and it was during a Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hitting streak. How about that? And Joe himself hit 10 of the home runs during that 25-game span. Wow. WFLA News Time is 636. Central Florida headlines now. A former Seminole County EMT is going to spend almost two decades behind bars for child porn possession. Federal prosecutors have announced that 30-year-old Brian Cooney of Castleberry has been sentenced to 19 years in prison for charges that date back to September. Investigators found images on Cooney's computer of children as young as four. Updates at least every 10 minutes in our top stories. We do it all morning for you. Right here in Good Morning Orlando. From News Radio 93.1, this is Good Morning Orlando. So the back and forth with Trump and Iran continues. But the president tweeted something yesterday that I'm not sure is getting enough attention. And I want to put the spotlight on it here and talk about it with you. Um, and here was the tweet Any attack by Iran. On anything American will be met with great and overwhelming force. In some areas, 
overwhelming will mean obliteration. Any attack by Iran on anything American will be met with great and overwhelming force. In some areas, overwhelming will mean obliteration. Anything American, that would mean another unmanned drone. Don't have to kill Americans. It would mean anything American. Shipping, unmanned drones, you know, let alone killing Americans wholesale. And he says any attack on anything American will be met with great and overwhelming force. So if the Iranians attack something American, what happens? Does it draw us into war? Does this does John Bolton finally get Trump where he wants him to go reportedly to war against Iran? And if the president does not follow through on this tweet, is his credibility completely shot on the world stage? Before the only red line he articulated, Yaffe, correct me if I'm wrong, with Iran, was they can't have a nuclear weapon. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. That's a long-term thing. This is five minutes from now. They fire at a, at a, at they, they hit a ship. You know, or, or they have a mine that, 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 that puts a hole in one of our ships or kills some of our sailors, or they shoot down a plane with somebody in it that's American or another drone. without It's any attack on anything American. I, I, I think this is a big deal here because the president has made a bold statement. This is a bold, bright red line that we have not seen before. And the Iranians are so agitated and so angry at him right now, you know, and they've got rogue forces within their own within their own country here who are capable of absolutely anything because they hate America so much and we're strangling them with the sanctions, et cetera. What happens? Yeah, you know, I was I think Trump's gonna have to clarify. I think our so a reporter's gonna ask have to ask him what exactly he means by this because you're right. If you read it just as is, that could mean another unmanned drone. Now before Trump said he didn't attack them, he didn't strike them because it wasn't proportionate. Right, now because, saying, because because his military leaders said hundred and fifty will yeah. die, and he says that's not proportionate because nobody died in the drone. But, you know, if he's going to obliterate something, that wouldn't be proportionate either. So what is, what is what, his stance now? Great and overwhelming force is what will result. And in some cases, obliteration. I mean, yeah. that's annihilation, uh, elimination, blown off the face of the earth. That's the opposite of what he did before. Yeah. Well, so he needs to clarify this. What do you think about this? Has the president gone too far? Has he put himself in a box? And what happens... If the Iranians attack something American, which I've got to tell you, I think is all but inevitable. I worry that the president's put himself in a very, very difficult position because this is the president who was all about getting us out of Middle Eastern wars, which is exactly what needs to happen, not getting us into another one. What happens if they attack something American and put the red line to the test? What about it? 407-916-5400. I mean, you know, we all like the the saber rattling and all of this, but what happens if the president does not respond with overwhelming force? His credibility is shot. And and on all of our enemies, he's a toothless tiger. 
I got to be honest with you. I wanted to be tough on Iran, but I wish he hadn't gone there based on what I know. We'll see whether he does clarify this further, although it's pretty clear what it says, um, unless he wants to take it back altogether, which I am sure he will not. 407-916-5400. I think this is a big deal. I'd like to know what you think about it. And our text line is 23680. We'll talk right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes on Good Morning Orlando. Headlining our hot topic for the 7 o'clock hour on a story out of Central Florida getting major national attention. The lawyer for a Lakeland woman questions the reason police are giving for not seizing her estranged husband's weapons. Taylor Irby was arrested last week for entering the husband's home without permission to seize his guns. A judge had ordered Joseph Irby to surrender them, and Taylor claims she was afraid that he would ignore the order and use the weapons against her or their children. The Lakeland police chief, Ruben Garcia, claimed yesterday that the cops were never given the chance to contact Joseph to get him to turn in his weapons, and when she brought the weapons in, they arrested her for stealing them. So who's in the right and the wrong here? We'll debate it in 20 minutes. Updates at least every 10 minutes in our top stories. You can count on that all morning on Good Morning Orlando. Welcome to the 50,000-watt front porch. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. In the middle of the back and forth and the rising tensions with Iran, the president tweets the following yesterday afternoon. Any attack by Iran on anything American will be met with great and overwhelming force. In some areas, overwhelming will mean obliteration. Does this set the president up for, uh, you know, for getting us into a war with Iran? Or for looking weak if he wimps out and doesn't cross the red line? or doesn't react to the crossing of the red line by Iran? That's the question here. I, I just, I don't know where this is going, but I think it may, the president may have, and I understand where he is with Iran, it, it may have put him in a very difficult position depending upon how events unfold. Let's go to the text line and see what folks think. Yeah, one person uh, likes what Trump said. Uh, says here, if they attack anything American again, he does need to hit back. Overwhelming force. Mm-hmm. Got another one says president has already crippled the economy of Iran with sanctions and now has drawn a red line that will cripple Iran's military if they do attack the U.S. Yeah, another person says, I love Trump's tweet. The only thing the Iranians understand is force and Trump's not bluffing. So they seem they seem to like it, but I, I kind of agree with you, bud. It puts Trump in a interesting position, especially since the last time he did not strike. So does that mean if they do it again, will he strike? How much of a strike? I think Trump likes to kind of keep them guessing. Always oh, a master at that. You know, domestically as well in the foreign stage. The Democrats, the media, they have no idea. You know, and 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 I think that's great. And he does keep people off balance, but the stakes are never higher than when you're when you are dealing on an international scene with a prospect of war. Well, and not that, only that, all. but like he, he put down a red line now, so he can't keep him guessing completely because now he's saying, we're going to do this. So if they attack and he doesn't do it, like you said, it makes him look bad. How about we bring on John on the phone from Orlando on all of this. John, good morning to you. Good morning, bud. So my thoughts are that this doesn't have to mean a sustained war. It could mean you, know, you can do a quick attack with a few military planes to take out, a, you know, do some pretty good damage on a big base somewhere. 
And, you know, that's probably all he's talking about. I don't think he's talking a sustained war. Oh, I don't think he is either. But then again, you don't know what the next tit for tat is with Iran and, and the mullahs over there, you know. Agreed. Agreed. But you got to remember, you know, Iran is close to a nuclear weapon and Israel is terrified right now. They, they just did a huge organized exercise, one of the biggest in the last many, many years. Uh, preparing for an attack on Iran. So, you know, Israel's ready to pull the trigger on these guys, too, because they know when Iran gets a nuclear weapon, the next day they're going to drop it on Israel. Well, thank you, John, very much. But let's look at the politics of this. The polling shows Americans have no appetite for another war in the Middle East. And the president is the candidate who ran effectively, Alan, on saying, I'm the guy who's going to get us out of those godforsaken eternal wars in the Middle East. You know, and if he gets back in, I think I think it'll 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 be it'll have really negative political implications for him in 2020. And I'd be surprised if this isn't a major issue in the Democratic presidential debates, which are happening tonight and tomorrow night in Miami. Well, that may well be true. It'll be very interesting to see whether that's part of the Trump bashing that goes on, or whether they all get in that circular firing squad uh, and go after each other. That 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 is something we will be watching for tonight. We'll have another live report previewing tonight's big debate for 10 of the 20 Democrats in Miami. That will be in our 8 o'clock hour. So uh, we're going to watch for um, what happens next as the president draws this bold, bright red line for Iran with that tweet yesterday that I don't think there's been enough talk about the potential ramifications of that. And thanks a lot for the conversation. My co-host Alan Spector, as you just heard, has come on down the hallway again, and he is ready with a 7 o'clock news update. What's up? Well, as we've mentioned, Democrats are preparing to debate in Miami, and the Rays are talking about a split season. Those stories and others, plus traffic and weather together in just two minutes, 6.58 on Good Morning Orlando. WFLF Pine Hills, Orlando, WMGF HD3 Mount Dora, Orlando, and W226BT Orlando. News Radio 93.1 WFLA and iHeart Radio Station. Good morning, Orlando, on a bright and beautiful Wednesday morning. We greet you at 7 o'clock with our latest look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here and now on News Radio 93.1 WFLA FM AM 540 and the iHeart Radio app. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Alan Spector. Our top story this hour one stage. 10 Democrats. More in one minute. And the story of the Central Florida woman who turned in her husband's guns and got arrested. Next on Good Morning Orlando. 702 on News Radio 93.1. The eyes of the political world will be on downtown Miami tonight as the first group of qualified Democratic presidential candidates takes to the stage for their first debate. The field is so wide there will be no winner in the debates tonight or tomorrow night. And Nova Southeastern University political science professor Charles Zeldin says that's not even the goal. The candidates are fighting to make enough of an impact to bring in the money to build the organization they will need come January and February and March uh, to actually run effectively. He says with more than a year to go until the election, voters should not focus on who they'll support, but rather who do they want to continue to hear from in the coming months. The DNC has sanctioned 12 debates. The next one is set for next month in Detroit. Wendy Grossman, News Radio 93.1 WFLA. And as Democrats gather in Miami to begin weeding out candidates who want to take on the president next November, 
Republicans will also be heading there. Local GOP organizations and clubs will be gathering outside the debates both tonight and tomorrow. To remind voters that the Democratic Party, through and by its frontrunners, the president has become a, an extreme left-wing party, and uh, they're bordering on being socialists. Miami-Dade Republican Party Chair Nelson Diaz says President Trump offers lower taxes, reasonable regulations, and opportunities to grow a business. We're going to talk with our uh, man Rory O'Neill, our reporter from WFLA, who is um, down in Miami. We'll have a debate preview at 10 after 8 this morning, Alan. All right, bud, this news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. The A's are 230, the nays are 195. The bill is passed. Without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid on the table. The U.S. House signing off on a $4.5 billion emergency funding package for the southern border. The measure provides money for the agency tasked with housing unaccompanied migrant children. Democrats added strict standards for conditions at migrant facilities amid reports that migrant children are being kept in poor conditions. Now the Republicans have their own bill. They're going to have to try to reconcile them, but they don't have a lot of time, Alan, because they're all leaving for the 4th of July recess when this week ends. They're always leaving for something. Yeah. <laughs> got to have the recess. Need another week off. You got about three days to work and then about a month off. Yeah. The Orange County School Board approved a proposed salary agreement with teachers who are not expected to go along with it. It gives starting teachers a 4% pay raise, which amounts to $500. Board members say they can't afford to give the teachers any more money. 14,000 members of the teachers' union will be voting, and if they don't approve the agreement, both sides return to the bargaining table. The owner of the Tampa Bay Rays is speaking publicly for the first time about his plans to split the season between Florida and Montreal, Canada. Stu Sternberg says the lack of large local corporations makes a continued commitment to a full season at Tropicana Field impossible. We are simply not well suited for a Major League Baseball team that needs to draw tens of thousands of people each of its 81 games to its ballpark. Sternberg insists that his plan could keep baseball in both communities for generations to come. The mayor of St. Petersburg, which holds the Rays' lease on Tropicana Field, calls the split-season idea a bit silly. WFLA News Time 705, a viral video shows a Florida father diving over a pool fence to save his son. That story's online at WFLAOrlando.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at WFLA Orlando. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Thanks, Alan. My co-host, Alan Spector, alongside the Bud Band till 9 o'clock. Our executive producer in the control room is Yaffe. Taking your calls, the Fox, Melissa Fox at 407-916-5400. Or you can text us at 23680 where standard message and data rates apply. Boy, I'm getting hammered by a couple of the texters here. Hey, Bud, why are you wimping out on this uh, Iran thing? The red line the president has drawn. Um, Iran is the aggressor, needs to know the USA will not put up with any more. And, Bud, you're as bad as a, grabbing a line from Rush, linguini-spined liberal with all of your hand wringing. Oh, went to the pasta. I just don't <laughs> want our commander-in-chief put in a situation of getting us into a war when he said he'd be the guy to get us out of all these wars in the Middle East. And when you say that if they attack anything American, overwhelming force will result, um, who knows what the Iranians will do, and the president's credibility will be on the line. So we'll see. But at any rate, we have an incredible story 
out of Polk County and Lakeland that is getting a lot of national attention. Uh, I headlined it just um, in the last half hour here. We've got a couple going through a nasty divorce, and uh, he was ordered um, in the middle of all kinds of, uh, of, of ugliness um, not, to, um, not to use his guns. I guess he was supposed to hand them in or whatever else, and he didn't do it. And the, the wife uh, took the guns to police, who promptly arrested her for theft. Uh, this is interesting. A lot of angles to this, and we'll get to it in a moment. And an update of Orlando's news, weather, and traffic is just two minutes away. 7.07 on Good Morning Orlando. Headlining breaking news overnight. Now former special counsel Robert Mueller will testify publicly in the House of Representatives next month. On July 17th, Mueller, who of course was put in charge of the Russia probe, will testify in public sessions of the House Judiciary and Intelligence Committees. Those sessions will be followed by closed-door meetings where lawmakers can discuss more sensitive subjects. Updates for you at least every 10 minutes in the top stories on Good Morning Orlando. News, weather and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. I'm asking for your undivided attention for a couple of minutes while I take you through the bizarre story of Taylor and Joseph Irby, uh, a couple in the middle of a nasty divorce down in Polk County. Because if you don't listen to this uh, closely, I don't know how in the world you're going to have any idea what's going on here and what the issues are. Drawing from multiple media reports, and primarily off the top here from what the Miami Herald is reporting, 32-year-old Taylor Irby was arrested recently on charges of armed burglary and theft after she went to her estranged husband's home to retrieve two of his guns, only to later hand them over to police. She didn't take off and run away with them. She took them to police. More coming up. Now, Taylor Irby told police that she decided to take the guns from her husband's house and turn them in because he would not. The incident reportedly comes after the arrest of Irby's husband, Joseph Irby, last week. Uh, Irby's husband was arrested actually on the 15th of June following a court hearing involving the two. Now, Irby's husband rammed his car into the back of his wife's vehicle after that hearing Police said Irby called, this is Taylor Irby, the wife, called local authorities shortly after the incident uncontrollably crying and advised that she was in fear for her life. Police arrested Irby's husband, Joseph, on charges of aggravated battery after the incident. Um, Joseph Irby had previously received protective orders, or rather Taylor Irby, now I'm confusing you, uh, had previously received protective orders against her husband. Now, listen to this. Irby's husband was reportedly released from police custody a day after his arrest. He was later reportedly ordered by a judge, ordered by a judge, to turn over the firearms in his possession as a condition of his pretrial release. And this is when Taylor Irby reportedly went to her husband's home to retrieve his firearms and hand them over to police because she said he wasn't going to turn them in. But once... Taylor Irby arrived at the Lakeland Police Department. She was arrested for the act after police said she admitted to burglary and theft. And as a result, Taylor Irby spent six days in police custody before being released on bond. There's a hearing on this this Friday, arraignments for both on their criminal charges. 
on July 16th. There are calls for the state attorney, Brian Haas, to drop charges against Taylor Irby because she feared for her life. She didn't run away with the guns, steal them and hide them, and plan to maybe turn them on her husband in the middle of this nasty divorce. She took them to police who arrested her for theft. The police chief in uh, Lakeland is saying that the officer did the right thing. And it's a very interesting story, is it not? It is, and the police are saying they didn't have time after the judge's order to go and uh, uh, seize the guns from uh, Joseph Irby. Yeah, and that the um, the officer, Brent Barron's here, um, is being backed up by the chief, Lakeland Police Chief Ruben Garcia, that uh, thought Barron's had handled the situation correctly and actually had consulted with supervisors in the police department, the detective bureau, et cetera, before arresting Irby. Um, interesting story. You know, Whose side do you come down on here? You know, and it's it seems a little strange to me. Uh, I'm not familiar with all the legal ramifications of this, that Joseph Irby was released and then was ordered to surrender his weapons because that leaves a window for him to get the weapons and then possibly do something with them, which is what his wife feared, his estranged wife. Interesting point. Yaffe? So I'm not a legal expert, but I'm just going to throw this out there. It could be completely wrong. Probably is. But since they're married, aren't the guns half hers anyway? Hmm. That was the one thing I was thinking. Isn't the property half hers? So couldn't she just say that she was taking what was already partly owned by her in the first place since they're still married? But they're in separate dwellings. I think that might be the deal. And then she broke into that house and went inside and took those guns I think it was spiteful. Well, I don't, Melissa, yeah. you, you brought this to my attention, this story, and it's a great talk topic, obviously, and it's right here in Central Florida. It's getting national play. What's your take on it? Well, um, it you know, there's two sides to everything, but honestly, uh, she's in the wrong for what she did. I don't think it was really, at that point, a fear for her life. It was more of a, well, you're not going to do this, so I'm going to do it for you kind of a thing. She took matters into her own hands. But she does elsewhere, according to the affidavit, express fear for her life. That's good, but there you know. are you know there are and, things in place. You know, you know? and the husband had rammed her uh, vehicle oh, yeah. with his right after the divorce proceedings one day. Yes, you're right. Now this is interesting. Our old friend Glenn from Moss Park, who has been a loyal listener to this show and a sometimes caller for as long as I've been on WFLA, and that's a long time, says on the screen he knows the couple. And Glenn has enough credibility with me that we're going to bring him on here in just a moment. Um, your reaction to all of this, um, you have a problem with her taking those guns that the judge had said, you know, needed to be turned in. She said, I did it cause he wouldn't do it. And she was scared to death of this guy, you know, her once loving husband and they're estranged in the middle of a nasty divorce. Let's get into this more thoroughly with the smartest audience and talk radio. Maybe you can sort us out and, and tell us how this, uh, how this sets with you and how you think it should play out in our criminal justice system. 407-916-5400, text line 23680. Your calls and texts on this bizarre story of the Irbys out of Lakeland. Right after we update Orlando's news, weather and traffic in two minutes on Good Morning Orlando.
Headlines for you right now. The search for a man who escaped from authorities in Polk County is over. Lakeland police have announced, and this was late last night, that Brandon Beverly is now in custody after his escape yesterday. He was handcuffed in the back of a cruiser when he managed to get out of the car and run away. The 25-year-old was seen running in handcuffs on Patterson Street in Dixieland before being found hours later. He was originally wanted for trespassing in burglary. Updates at least every 10 minutes in our top stories on Good Morning Orlando. iHeartRadio is the easy-to-use app for music and radio. Download the free iHeartRadio app today. Taylor and Joseph Irby out of Polk County are in the middle of a nasty divorce, and it's gotten really, really ugly. Here is, um, just to put a cap on what we've been saying here and to clarify a few things, here are some lines from Taylor, the wife, um, Taylor Irby's arrest affidavit. When Taylor Irby arrived at the Lakeland Police Department, she told the station duty officer Brent Barons that she wanted to hand over guns she had taken from her estranged husband Joseph Irby's apartment. Um, Taylor explaining that her estranged husband had been arrested the previous day for trying to run me over with his car, so Joseph is in jail at that point. And Officer Barron's asked if Irby had been given permission to enter the apartment, and she said no, according to the affidavit. The officer, so you are telling me you committed an armed burglary? Yes, I am, Taylor Irby replied. But he wasn't going to turn them in, the guns, so I am doing so. So Barron's arrested Irby for two counts of grand theft of a firearm, a third-degree felony, one count of armed burglary of a dwelling, a first-degree felony. She spent six years in the slammer, six days in the slammer, before being released on bond. So that's a little bit more. And here is Glenn, our old friend from Moss Park. You know the Irbys? Actually, but I know someone who knows them. I don't personally know them, but I do know an individual who does know them. Yeah, in well, the that, that's of, not as good, but what do you know secondhand? Sorry about that. Yeah, the intricacies of the case, to be honest with you, don't really, don't really mean a whole lot more than what has actually been portrayed in the press. Because the reality, unfortunately, is she had the ability to notify law enforcement. Whether law enforcement did something about it or not is, is not the question at this point in time. The fact is she broke the law. The law strictly states that she cannot enter the dwelling. It is not her possessions that she took. So, therefore, what would law enforcement's response normally be? In any other case, regardless what the situation is, she physically broke the law. So she is she was charged with that particular case. I understand all the backstory, but in the court of law, the backstory isn't important for what actually happened as far as her prosecution goes. You make some good points there. There are calls for the state attorney to drop charges or not press charges here. You know, I'm... I don't know. I mean, I you know, she did steal the guns. Mm-hmm. She did steal the guns. And she did it while he was in jail. Yeah. So at that point, she can't be fearing for her life because he can't get to her. Exactly. So the more you look at this, don't you think that, you know, that the cops did the right thing down in Lake County or down in, down in Lakeland in yeah. Polk County? I mean, they can't promote vigilante-type justice, you know? Yeah. Have we got any uh, texters on the line who are weighing in? As a matter of fact, we have a ton of them. Yeah, I don't know yeah. how, I I how you sort this one do. out. Uh, one person I thought uh, broke it down really well says, you don't break the law to enforce the law. It's that simple. Now, here's one that agrees with me and says that uh, Taylor Irving was being spiteful. She had no business doing what she was doing. She deserves six days in the clink. Anytime you have a restraining order, protective order on someone, you don't just break into their house and steal their weapons. I think the call, cops made a good call for once. Let's go to the phones here. Um, how about we uh, pick up Bob, shall we? All right, Bob in, uh, Bob 
Yeah, Bob in Melbourne. Good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Okay, we're trying to sort all of this out. Where do you come down on it? Well, I don't know if I can help sort it out. I'll tell you that I agree with um, with the previous caller. Um, but I, I will say also, you know, law doesn't make a distinction between opinion. You can't, you can't burglarize a house. We know that. That's what she was arrested for. That said, I would have done the same thing because she's protecting her kids. And if that's what she needs to do to protect those kids, then good for her. She, she'd rather face a judge. And, and throw herself at the sympathy of the court than to uh, figure out why she didn't do everything she could to protect her kids. So good for her. She did the right thing as far as I'm concerned. But in terms of the law, she's arrested and the police did the right thing. Thank you, uh, Bob. Appreciate it. How could she be protecting her kid if she gets herself thrown in jail for six days? I'm sorry, that argument really didn't fly. What about the call for the state attorney to drop the charges? No, I said go ahead. Make an example. And maybe, you know, I, I realize domestic violence is a problem. It's terrible. But still, this, this is not taking uh, matters in your own hand and preventative. This was spiteful. What about it, Alan? I don't know. It, extenuating circumstances. Uh, the woman fearing for her life and, and uh, taking preemptive action. Um, hard to find fault with that, as our, our most recent caller, Bob, pointed out. Yeah. Although that, you know, by the letter of the law, she did break it. Yeah, I would say they have to press charges or they have to prosecute here, but they could be a little lenient, maybe give her probation or something. Yeah, let, let me um, let me give um, Joe 20 seconds out of Titusville. It says on the screen a lot of gray areas in this story. If that's your stand, I think you're right. Yeah, well, it, it sort of depends. Did she have a key to the apartment? Uh, was that apartment theirs and then she moved out? Or is it a protection order? If there's a protection order, then she broke that. And is there a legal separation? In a divorce, sometimes judges give a legal separation, so you divide up the goods. What's in one apartment is his, what's in hers, or is everything still mixed up? Yeah, I I, I don't know where they are in the middle of that divorce. There are some blanks we cannot fill in for you, but we will continue to follow this story, which, as I say, is getting some national attention because it... uh, it, it really raises some very, very interesting issues on a number of fronts, and uh, it's not exclusively black and white. It, it really is as to how this thing should go. We will follow it. Alan? Yeah. Coming up, Bob Mueller will testify on Capitol Hill, and President Trump says Iran will pay for any attack on anything American. Those stories and others, plus our Elsewhere segment and traffic and weather together in just two minutes on Good Morning Orlando, it's 731. We continue with the bottom of the hour. Alan, standing by with your news update. But I don't think the domestic violence aspect of the story of the Irvies has gotten enough attention in our conversation here. We're about to take care of that. Uh, one texter saying, you know what? She did the right thing here, turning in those guns that she stole from her estranged husband's apartment while he was in jail, handing them over to police. He was shown to be violent, and she needs to protect herself. If you've never been battered, you don't know what she was feeling. And on the phones, here's Lydia on the domestic violence aspect of this story. Good morning, Lydia. Welcome from Lake Nona. Good morning, bud. It's Lydia. The Lydia. The Lydia. Oh, you're one of my buddies. Yeah. Well, my goodness. How about that? I had a neighbor of mine. How about that? Go ahead, Lydia. I still think she did the right thing, but my question is, he battered her, he uh, hit her car, 
and he only got one day in jail. I hear he got bonded, but she robbed and got six days in jail. That seems unreasonable. And actually, mm. you hear so often in the news uh, people are killing the wife, the children, whoever's in the house. So I think she did the right thing. She has to pay for stealing something, but she did the right thing. She protected herself, and now that he has a criminal record, he will not be able to purchase a gun again. Alan, you're nodding, you're, you're nodding in the affirmative to some of what well, Lydia is saying. Well, I was just thinking, bud, as the more I listen to this story, I change my mind about every 10 seconds. As to who, who's right and who's wrong here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Lydia, thanks for the points you raised. Give my best to your wonderful husband, Carlo, and we'll see you for dinner again along the way, okay? Soon. I miss you. <laughs> I miss you too, darling. Take care. Thank you so much. Loyal listener, we got a group of people to get together and uh, enjoy each other's company uh, on a periodic basis, and, uh, and she's one of them. And uh, she's a, a loyal listener. Uh, and to you as well, Alan. She's a big fan. So uh, let's get the that. news at the bottom of the hour. What have you got? The former special counsel in charge of the Russia investigation will testify in the House next month. The Judiciary and Intelligence Committees will hold a joint hearing on July 17th, and Robert Mueller has agreed to comply with their subpoena. President Trump tweets that it's presidential harassment. But his attorneys don't seem too concerned. Lawyers for President Trump welcoming testimony from Robert Mueller, saying they have no concern over the former special counsel's July 17th testimony before Congress. President Trump's attorney, Jay Sekulow, expects Mueller to stick to the contours of his report, but tells Fox's Shannon Bream. It's good that Bob Mueller is going to testify. He'll have a lot of explaining to do with the irregularities that took place during his uh, investigation. And Democrats are also eager to hear from Mueller, with Ted Lieu, a member of the House Judiciary Committee, tweeting the American people will hear from special counsel Robert Mueller unfiltered without the interference of Attorney General Bill Barr. In Washington, Sean Lanchel, Fox News. The news is brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. President Trump says an Iranian attack on anything American will be met with obliteration. In a series of tweets, Trump said Iran does not understand the words nice or compassion, but only understands strength and power. And President Trump defended pulling out of the Iran nuclear accord. The deal was a horrible deal. It was no good. It was no good. It ended in a very short period of time. President Trump says he has no need for an exit strategy on Iran. Vice President Mike Pence says many families in Florida fled socialist regimes and found freedom in the United States. Latino Americans know that it was freedom, not socialism, that ended slavery, won two world wars, and stands today as a beacon of hope for all the world. On the eve of the Democratic debates, Pence was in Miami to launch Latinos for Trump, asking Hispanics to drum up support for the president's re-election to, as he said, prevent Democrats from bringing socialism to the U.S. Another hot day ahead in Orlando with AccuWeather forecasting a high of 96 that will feel like 105, and that means air conditioners will be going full blast. Earlier this week, the city set a record for power usage. Orlando Utilities Commission says the 1,233 megawatts of electricity being used just after 5 o'clock on Monday afternoon was the most in its history. Our electric meter is spinning like a Frisbee outside. <laughs> I'm <Yes>. telling you. <laughs> The power being used to, to power that meter alone is <laughs> oh, man, driving incredible. up your bill. There Else, you go. Elsewhere. If you're hanging out a, at a park or a beach and have a sudden desire for a Slurpee, and in this weather I wouldn't blame you, um, here's good news. Users of 7-Eleven's 7-Now delivery app now have more location options. 
the company announcing the addition of pins to its app, which makes locations without traditional addresses open for deliveries of items like Slurpees, Doritos, and Bud Light. This means customers can use the delivery service to order to parks, beaches, sports fields, entertainment venues, and other similar locations. 7-Eleven says it wanted to innovate new ways to offer more convenience to its customers. The 7Now app delivery service is available 24-7, offered in 27 metropolitan areas, including Orlando. Except for the brain freeze I always get with a Slurpee. There's nothing like them on a hot day. Yeah, and just <laughs> just get on your app there and order it. You don't yeah. have to actually go to 7-Eleven. You bet. New York City is the best spot in the country to celebrate the 4th of July, but Orlando's not too bad. Wallet Hub's 2019 Best and Worst Places for Fourth of July Celebrations compared the nation's 100 largest cities based on how well they balance holiday cost and fun. Los Angeles and San Diego are in the second and third spots, with Washington, D.C. and Las Vegas rounding out the top five. Orlando came in 19th, ranking high in affordability but low in the categories of safety and weather. Ooh. A British boy needs a new mattress thanks to an overheating electronic device. The Manchester Evening News reports that an 11-year-old boy awoke to a rectangular hole in his mattress after plugging in his Samsung tablet overnight. Oh, no. Fire officials say the 4-year-old device burned the mattress down to the springs and covered the bedroom with a layer of black soot. The boy was unharmed, and they say he's lucky a full-on blaze did not break out Samsung has not made an official comment. Yeah, if he was that like send like one of those battery fires or something, is that what's going on there? Probably. My first thought though was, why does a four-year-old have a Samsung well, tablet? No, the the tablet's four years old. The kid's eleven. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I should pay more attention. You need to listen more closely. I There's going to be a quiz. But yeah, that's, <laughs> that's it. all right. I'm sure it was one of those lithium battery. That's scary. People nodding off in the control room again. Find more on these stories on the Good Morning Orlando page at WFLAOrlando.com. Just look for Elsewhere. With Alan Spector. Can't sleep through uh, Elsewhere. What did I miss? What? Nothing. (laughs) Hey, coming up, we've got the sound judgment game. The legendary band America. Remember Tin Man and Horse With No Name and all those great hits? The band is back, and they're coming to Orlando, and you're going on us. We got free tickets to our Sound Judgment winner, 407-916-5400. Get on the porch right now, 407-916-5400, or the toll-free, 866-916-5400. You're eligible if you haven't won in a month. Let's play Sound Judgment for America tickets. They are coming to Orlando. And if that's not your band, somebody's going to love to get those tickets you won for them. So take a shot at it. Give us a call, 407-916-5400. Call now on the toll-free at 866-916-5400. Sound Judgment. After we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes on Good Morning Orlando. Headlining this baseball sports note for you right now, the Bronx Bombers continue to live up to the name. The New York Yankees homered for the 28th straight game yesterday in a 4-3 win over the Toronto Blue Jays at Yankee Stadium. 
That's the record for the most consecutive games ever in baseball with a home run. The previous mark of 27 with a home run set by the 2002 Texas Rangers. Let's go Yankees. Yes, sir. What a story. Updates at least every 10 minutes on our top. Hold them out of here, will you please? Somebody. (laughs) Who is this man? (laughs) You're never more than 10 minutes away from the latest news, weather, and traffic. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. I should have known he couldn't sit through that uh, headline quietly. No. And we're ready to go with a sound judgment game. And uh, what are we playing for, Melissa? Well, it's not Yankees tickets. <laughs> well, and I'm out of here. See you right. later. Bye-bye. <laughs> Win them before you can buy them, my friends. It's a pair of tickets to see America with great hits like Tin Man and You Can Do Magic and Sweet Blue, Blue Judy Blue Eyes. And they're going to be live at the Hard Rock Live. And tickets don't go on sale till this Friday. But you can win them right now by answering correctly, Sound Judgment. All right, all the regular lines are busy, so um, if you're trying to get in, a wrong answer opens one up at 407-916-5400. For some odd reason, the toll-free is uh, still open at 866-916-5400, and here we go. President Trump has announced his choice to succeed Sarah Huckabee Sanders as White House press secretary. She's been serving as First Lady Melania Trump's press secretary and will continue in that role. Now for today's sound judgment game, listen to the sound of the president making the announcement this week and then use your sound judgment to tell me the new press secretary's full name. Now, you will hear the president use her first name, so right away you're halfway to being our winner, but I need you to tell me her first and last name. First Lady loves her. Uh, I think she's been, uh, you know, just incredible. She's very talented. And I have so many people. Who do you like? A lot of people wanted the job. You know, a lot of people wanted to do it. And I'd ask people, who do you like? And so many people said, Stephanie. And she's here. She knows everybody. She actually gets along with the media very well, as you know. A lot of the folks in the media like her very much. And I think she's going to be fantastic. I think she's going to do a great job. So I offered her the job this morning, and she accepted all right, the president's talking about his new press secretary. Give me that person's first and last name, line one. How about Stephanie Grisham? How about the game is over? That's good. I wasn't sure we might go quite a while before we got an answer there. Congratulations. How'd you happen to know that? I actually saw a story on it this morning. Fantastic. You're in the right place at the right time here on the 50,000-watt front porch, and you're going to the live return of the band America here in Orlando. What's your first name? Steve. Steve from what town? Deltona. All right. Up the road in beautiful Volusia County. I'm going to pop you a note, but the most important thing is you and Melissa will do business all fair to make sure we get you the tickets. Okay, Steve? Fantastic. Thank you, bud. Good deal. Have fun at the concert, and congratulations. Rush with a morning update, dead ahead, right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you in two minutes on Good Morning Orlando. Thanks, Heather, and I hope we don't get into this weather situation this afternoon. Here's a headline for you locally. A lightning strike believed to be the cause of an apartment fire in Goldenrod. Orange County Fire and Rescue Crews responded last night to the apartments near University Boulevard and North Palmetto Avenue. A dozen or so units were damaged, but no one was hurt. Updates at least every 10 minutes in our top stories are promised to you every day on Good Morning Orlando. Use your smart speaker. Tell Alexa to play News Radio 93.1 from iHeartRadio.
WFLF Pine Hills, Orlando, WMGF HD3 Mount Dora, Orlando, and W226BT Orlando. News Radio 93.1 WFLA and iHeart Radio Station. Good morning, Orlando. Great to have you with us here on a Wednesday morning at 8 o'clock for our latest look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. Coming your way here and now on News Radio 93.1 WFLA FM, AM 540, and the iHeartRadio app. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Alan Spector. Our top story this hour Democrats get ready to debate. More in one minute. And we'll have a live report from Miami with our man Rory O'Neill on the story next on Good Morning Orlando. 802 on News Radio 93.1. Immigration, climate change, Iraq, and health care, just some of the issues. The first set of 10 qualified Democratic hopefuls will debate tonight in downtown Miami. Nova Southeastern University's Charles Zeldin says their goal isn't necessarily to win, but they want a good enough showing to qualify for the next round. Because the Democrats are going to keep on raising the bar of what you have to have achieved, either in terms of polling or in terms of fundraising in order to participate in the debates. The Democratic National Committee has sanctioned a dozen debates. The first six will be held this year, the next six in 2020. Yeah, we'll give you a handle on how the format's going to go. It's on NBC and Telemundo. And uh, as I say, our reporter Rory O'Neill is on the site in Miami, joins us in just a moment. And, Bud, while Democrats debate, Republicans will be just feet away, sending a different message. GOP organizations and clubs will gather near the Arsh Center tonight and tomorrow night to point out to voters that Democrats are taking the country in the wrong direction. We're there to remind people that they really, they should be debating sea level rise and other issues like that, but they should also be debating the perils of the issues that they're supporting, the socialist issues. Miami-Dade Republican Chair Nelson Diaz says the party of the president will offer you lower taxes, reasonable regulations, and opportunities to grow a business as long as you're a good law-abiding citizen. Eric Rodriguez, News Radio 93.1 WFLA. This news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Orange County teachers are expected to reject a proposed salary agreement approved last night by the school board. Mail-in votes will now be sent to 14,000 members of the teachers' union, and several board members admitted that teachers are unlikely to go along with it. The agreement includes a 4% pay increase for starting teachers, and that amounts to about $500. Yeah, which is pretty meager, they say, and also wiped out by steep increases in health insurance, and that's what has the teachers up in arms, as we talked about on yesterday's show. And if they vote it down, they go back to the bargaining table. In Washington, the House has passed a measure to get help to migrants at the southern border, but it might not get past the Senate or President Trump's veto pen. The $4.5 billion package addresses living conditions for detained migrants. Democratic Congressman Hakeem Jeffries. There are children who are being held in unspeakable Conditions. But the bill has no border security money as requested by the president. A similar bill being considered in the Senate does. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. There's no reason, no excuse, why this non-controversial measure should not get a similar, similar overwhelmingly bipartisan vote here on the floor this week. It includes an extra $180 million for ICE and the Department of Homeland Security. In Washington, Joel Nato, Fox News. The owner of baseball's Tampa Bay Rays is explaining his proposal to split the season between Florida and Montreal, Canada. Stu Sternberg says a full season can't work in St. Petersburg because the area is made up of several small cities and few large corporations. To force that to happen here when the conditions are not right could be more than damaging, more than damaging to a team, to Major League Baseball, 
and most importantly, to a community. Now, Sternberg admits many of the specifics have not been worked out, such as which city gets playoff games and how to make up rainouts. The Rays have been at or near the bottom of attendance in Major League Baseball most of the years since their founding in 1998. But I've never heard of a scheme like this before. No. That's crazy. WFLA News time is 8.06. Another Florida city pays hundreds of thousands of dollars in ransom to hackers. That story's online at WFLAOrlando.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at WFLAOrlando. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. Use your smart speaker. Tell Google Home to play News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Good morning, Orlando. Buttheading around Inspector Michael Yaffe and Melissa Fox with you until 9 o'clock, and our colleague Rory O'Neill, who is um, sending out reports to stations all across the country out of Miami's site of the Democrat debate tonight, will be joining us live on the 50,000 watt front porch here in a moment. I know there'll be more debate talk uh, for the ride home this afternoon on Yaffe's show, PM Orlando. For folks who haven't connected to you yet, what time are you on, buddy? I am on 5 to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. And, yes, we are going to preview the upcoming Democratic debate. We're going to talk with our Fox News radio reporter, Eben Brown, who will be live, reporting live from Miami. And you know what? You may get the Supreme Court um, census citizenship question ruling today. But you teased that earlier this week telling me we were going to get that, and it never happened. <laughs> is, I mean, is it going to happen today, bud? Trust me. Believe in the button. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. All right. All right. But yes, it, it could happen. We'll talk about it tonight, <laughs> right. 5 to 6 p.m. All right. You're right. I did promise you that. Oh, what do I know? <laughs> it's barely enough to get by and fool the people. I need to fool when I need to fool them. Right, Alan? That's right. <laughs> anyway, so coming up here in a moment, um, Rory O'Neill live with a preview of the Democrats' debate. And uh, we'll talk about it with you and, and get your take on how this might play out with the Democrats and uh, who might emerge as the dominant player as this political season continues. So we'll uh, we'll dive in right after this. Yeah, an update of Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes on Good Morning Orlando. It's 808. Headlining this important breaking news overnight, for those of you just joining us, now former special counsel Robert Mueller will testify publicly in the House of Representatives next month. On July 17th, Mueller, put in charge of the Russia probe, will testify in public sessions of the House Judiciary and Intelligence Committees. Those sessions will be followed by closed-door meetings where lawmakers will be able to discuss more sensitive subjects with Mueller. Stay with us for updates at least every 10 minutes on our top stories on Good Morning Orlando. From News Radio 93.1, this is Good Morning Orlando with Bud Hedinger, Alan Spector, Michael Yaffe, and Melissa Fox. Yep, we're all here. We're all ears as we bring in our colleague who's normally down the hall, who's downstate in Miami, Rory O'Neill, to preview tonight's Democrat debate. Welcome aboard. Great to have you with us, Rory. Thanks, bud. What's going on down there, and what's the setup for tonight? Well, it's the final preparations are underway. Really, the stage is quite literally set, and now it's a matter of getting these candidates all corralled up. Ten out of the 20 taking the stage tonight. This is being called the JV League with the uh, uh, senator from Massachusetts, Elizabeth Warren, sort of the headliner, and the rest are a bunch of also-rans. Yeah, we've got uh, Beto O'Rourke, we got Cory Booker, Amy Klobuchar, and then, uh, you know, then you got Inslee and uh, Castro and... Uh, Tulsi Gabbard, I really like, out of Hawaii. She's my dark horse. Bill de Blasio, the mayor of New York, and uh, Tim Ryan and uh, John Delaney. And that's the field of 10 with 10 more tomorrow with the headliners Biden and Bernie and 
uh, et cetera. So how does this format work tonight on the debates when it's on in, on NBC, MSNBC, and Telemundo from 9 until 11? But, but how is the format of questioning and all of that? What do you know about that? Right. Well, if you think the stage is crowded, get a load of the moderators. There are going to be five of them from NBC. So the five different moderators all involved throughout the two-hour program. Uh, the candidates will be asked questions, have 60 seconds for a reply, and then if they can, a 30-second follow-up uh, would be allowed. But no opening statements. There is a chance for some closing arguments, though, to be made by some of them. Uh, but we'll see how the night goes. And after the uh, debate is over, do you get to go in the locker room and ask the candidates how it went? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I left it all out on the field. Yes. Uh, the, uh, yeah, there is a spin room that's been set up at the Arsh Center. It's sort of a sprawling complex compared to Dr. Phillips. Imagine it also crosses the street as well. So uh, the candidates are actually going to be in one hall on one side of the street, the press all in the other building on the other side of the street, and then inside the hall of 1,400 seats, uh, mostly supporters uh, of the candidates. Yeah, the spin room is kind of the political locker room, Alan, I guess it uh Pretty yeah. much of what and, we'll have there. And talking about sporting events, uh, often in these debates, uh, they ask the crowd to be quiet and not react. And at other times, we hear them roaring for one candidate or another. Do we know, are there any rules of decorum tonight? I haven't seen the rule any of those rules. Those would be set up by the moderator. Uh, I'm guessing with the rule, with the, such a crowded field and the, and the need to get so many questions in, they will ask for, for the crowd to stay quiet just so they don't eat up the clock. Rory, I know you've been studying up on the Democrat candidates past couple of days to get ready for this. Uh, is there any candidate that you are going to pay special attention to that you think might do really well? Well, I'm really anxious to see what Beto O'Rourke does because he came out of the out of the shoot with such fire and the cover of Vanity Fair and all that and. He hasn't done much since, so I think he really has to make a name, uh, get himself back in the, in the mix here and seen as a viable candidate. So I think it's going to be a show between Warren and O'Rourke tonight. But, you know, I always like what Amy Klobuchar, I think she gives, she, she's very good at articulating her positions and uh, has some common sense phraseology and things. So I think she, she does have quite an appeal in Minnesota. So uh, those three would be my three. So Warren is probably going to try to stay out of trouble. O'Rourke is trying to get back into it. And Klobuchar could be your dark horse ah interesting take on that yeah uh any closing thoughts before we cut you loose to uh service dozens of other stations around the country who <laughs> want your live updates that's right. well uh, yeah mobile is next if you're following at home the uh <laughs> um the, yeah we'll, we'll see tonight i think tonight is going to be the debate where they're all rather complimentary towards one another and taking on president trump tomorrow night that's when the circular firing squad lines up and they try to take on joe biden and each other all right, thank you. Rory O'Neill live in Miami on the Democrats' debate. And uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow morning, 6, 10, and 8, 10, and, uh, and get your take on how it all went down. Thanks, Rory. All right, thanks, bud. All right, good deal. I still think Tulsi Gabbard is the one to watch tonight. Um, Elizabeth Warren is the headliner tonight. She polls much better than anybody else who will be on the dais uh, the first night here. And I think the Democrats are trying to prop her up and see whether or not her star can keep on rising because they're afraid – Biden's not going to make it and that Bernie is too extreme and much too old uh, and, and the others are whatever they are. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard's really a very appealing, very telegenic, um, very well-spoken, very intelligent, a rack war veteran and a little bit more of a mainstream Republican in a party that or Democrat in a party that's going way left. I don't know. 
You're afraid she doesn't have enough enough yeah, pizzazz. She's very low energy. I've heard interviews with her, and it's just kind of you know talks like this, like the female low energy yeah. Jeb. Yeah, even no. even lower than that, probably. Well, honestly. really, if that's the case, it may be difficult to cut through in this type of format where you've got nine other candidates and a brief amount of time to uh, make any kind of a pre- impression. Right. So being soft-spoken is not going to be the way to get it done. You're right, Alan. She's going to have to step it up. Yell. Game, game show quality <laughs> I'm going to give stuff. Tulsi a yeah, call. Yeah, I was about to say, you're going to have to call her, bud, and give her some pointers. Get, get, her, get her jacked up. Bring her A-game here. Give yeah. me some injury. Anyway, um, your take on the Democrats debate tonight. Um, We got to watch it because we got to, you know, even though I'm not going to vote for any of them, uh, somebody's going to emerge from the field to take on President Trump. Is there somebody that you think is the strongest horse when all is said and done among the Democrats? We will see and hear tonight and then the others we will see and hear tomorrow. I just don't buy Biden as the one who ultimately gets the nomination. I think he is old, and he is slower than ever. I think he is really, really low energy these days. And I just think the guy's a human gaffe machine and a political disaster waiting to happen for the Democrats. You tell me. we got the most politically astute audience in all of talk radio, so let me tap into your collective wisdom and ask you to call us on your take on the Democrats and who ultimately would be the toughest test for Trump in 2020. 407-916-5400, text line 23680, where standard message and data rates apply. Central Florida headlines now. A man accused of killing a popular attraction at Bush Gardens is dead. Joseph Correo was killed this month when he was hit by a truck in Orlando while walking across State Road 50 near his home. He was arrested three years ago for allegedly killing Pinky the Dancing Flamingo at Bush Gardens by slamming the bird to the ground at the theme park. Correo was set to go on trial for that in a couple of months. Updates at least every 10 minutes for you on our top stories on Good Morning Orlando. Radio is the easy-to-use app for music and radio. Download the free iHeartRadio app today. This is Good Morning Orlando, along with the Bud Man, Yaffe, and Melissa. I'm Alan Spector, and we're asking you about the Democratic debates that get underway in Miami tonight. Who you think might break out of the field? Who might have the best chance of uh, deposing President Trump? Let's go to Richard in Lake Nona. Good morning, Richard. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. What do you think about the debates and uh, who might stand out among the Democrats? Well, I'm definitely going to watch it. Um, I think Mayor Pete is probably the biggest uh, front runner for the Democrats. Um, I'm only 27, so I skew a little younger for your crowd, but uh, I'm a young professional. A lot of the young professionals that I associate myself with are really leaning towards him. Um, like the Bud Man said, Joe Biden just seems a little bit old, and I was leaning on him before, but too much Creepy Joe videos with the young children are really turning me off against him. And uh, I, I told Melissa, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a next person. Like I, I actually voted against Trump in the last election, but I voted against Obama during his two runs. So I really just look at it from an independent perspective. And well, um, I'm hoping Mayor Pete does well, and I think he kind of has that right balance that could compete with Trump. Well, uh, aside aside from the fact that he's much younger than Joe Biden, for instance, uh, what do you like about Mayor Pete? I think his energy, he's spoken well. He has, um, 
enough of the ex- not maybe not enough political experience, but enough of the experience with uh, his background and diversity. Even though he is, you know, a white male, so to speak, he could still grasp uh, some of the other minority votes that the Democrats seem to lean on. Um, and I just think that for people who aren't really a fan of Trump, uh, I think that was a problem for the Democrats last time. There's a lot of people who voted for Trump who didn't necessarily like Trump, but they just didn't like Hillary more. Hey, listen, so great. You're a thoughtful young 27-year-old guy, and we appreciate you listening to our show and giving us your take on this. You know, Mayor Pete's the first openly gay candidate we've had for president, and of course, I don't think he's comported himself well. We talked about it in the crisis he has with a racial issue with the police department and the killing of a black man by a white cop. Uh, I don't think he came off well, and I think it's going to hurt him what happened in South Bend, but we'll see whether he can rehabilitate himself. He's on the dais tomorrow. He is not on tonight. Um, Quickly to Mark uh, from Orlando. What Democrat are you going to be watching closely, uh, Mark? Okay, not not going tonight, but Joe Joe Biden. Let me just tell you, the the reason Joe Biden's going to be the winner ultimately not just that he's the establishment guy, but if you look at 2018, the way that Democrats were able to flip the House, they didn't flip the House with the uh, AOCs, with the you know, Cortez, with the, the very diverse women and the, you know, the, the people who got in in this election. Those were all safe Democrat districts. They flipped the House with suburban districts in Ohio and uh, Pennsylvania, and the way they did that was with the Connor. Hey, Mark, 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 you, Mark, Mark, you're, you're you're giving me political analysis way in the weeds. Uh, Says on the uh, screen, uh, Joe Biden is he your yeah. guy? Do you think he's good for the long haul for the nomination? Oh, a- a- absolutely. I think- Thank you. What about the text line? What's going on there? Yeah, one person said a Democratic debate. Yeah, right. It'll be more like a reverse auction with ten bidders competing on who can give away the most freebies. Trump's got an easy win in 2020. Somebody writes here, Beto O'Rourke will be the Democratic nominee since he is a cool white version of Obama. See, I, I kind of saw Pete as more like Obama than Beto. Hmm. All yeah. right. I don't know. Mm-hmm. All that matters to the Democrats is can you beat Trump? We'll see how it all plays out. And um, we'll be all over the debates here because we have to know uh, exactly what the party is up to and who is on the rise and who is on the way down and out. So this is the place to be. Also the place for news with my uh, colleague and co-host Alan Spector. Bud, summer is heating up and that means new power records in Orlando and at Yankee Stadium. Those stories and others plus our Elsewhere segment and traffic and weather together in just two minutes. 8.30 on Good Morning Orlando. Good Wednesday morning, Orlando. So glad you're with us and you're just in time to get a news update right now, putting the focus on the hot weather. And uh, we are all paying the price, aren't we, Alan? Yeah. Is it hot or is it just everybody? This week's heat wave has Orlandoans cranking up the AC and breaking local records for power usage. According to the Orlando Utilities Commission, on Monday afternoon, shortly after 5 o'clock, its customers were drawing 1,233 megawatts of electricity And OUC says that's the most power ever used at one moment in the company's history, which goes back 96 years. The old record was set about three years ago in August of 2016. Boy, that'll answer your question. Is it hot? Mm -hmm. Mm. This news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. President Trump says he has no need for an exit strategy on Iran. When they're ready, they'll let us know. Very simple. 
ready to do whatever. Doesn't make any difference. Whatever they want to do, I'm ready. The U.S. imposed tough new sanctions on Iran this week, and that came after Iran shot down an unmanned U.S. military drone over the Strait of Hormuz. Talking at the White House yesterday, Trump noted that nobody wants to see Iran with a nuclear weapon, and he again defended pulling out of the Iran nuclear accord. He called the Obama-era deal horrible. President Trump is complaining of presidential harassment. Trump's tweet from last night is apparently in response to the news that special counsel Robert Mueller will testify in the House next month. Mueller's final report on Russian interference in the 2016 election outlined the lengths Russia went to influence that election and laid out possible instances of obstruction of justice by the president. This is just, as Jaffe and I were discussing, going to go on forever. On forever. Feels like it. Does. A former Tampa Bay Area mayor is now a convicted criminal. We, the jury, finds as follows. The defendant is guilty of conspiracy to obstruct justice as charged in the information. So say we all this 25th day of June, 2019. Former Port Ritchie Mayor Dale Massad found guilty in connection with a phone call he had in March with the then-acting mayor. Massad asked him to dig into the background of a police officer who was investigating Massad for practicing medicine without a license. Assad still awaits trial for that investigation, as well as attempted murder for shooting at deputies when they showed up at his house in February. A lightning strike is believed to be the cause of an apartment fire in Goldenrod. Orange County Fire Rescue crews responded last night to the apartments near University Boulevard and North Palmetto Avenue. A dozen or so units were damaged, but no one was injured. And the Bronx Bombers continue living up to their name. The New York Yankees wasting no time breaking a home run record on Tuesday. The 2-2. Hit in the air. Deep left field. If it's there, it's gone. It is gone. Call courtesy of Yes Network. DJ LeMahieu with a leadoff dinger in the Yanks' first at-bat of the game, marking 28 straight games with at least one Yankee hitting a home run, breaking the MLB record held by the 2002 Texas Rangers. The Yanks would go on to beat the Toronto Blue Jays on Tuesday 4-3. Matt Napolitano, Fox News. And elsewhere. It's time to honor the Sabbath. Black Sabbath is receiving a special honor in England today. A bridge in the city of Birmingham will be renamed after the English rock band, considered by many as pioneers of heavy metal. There will also be a new bench on the bridge with images of the original Black Sabbath lineup. The band was formed in Birmingham in 1968 by guitarist and main songwriter Tony Iommi, drummer Bill Ward, bassist and main lyricist Geezer Butler, and singer Ozzy Osbourne. Iommi and Butler will both be at today's ceremony. Well, when you opened that up and you said time to honor the Sabbath, I said it didn't sound like any Sunday morning I recall. <laughs> Everyone on their knees, please. <laughs> now I get it. <laughs> Doctors in South Carolina say they're seeing a mini baby boom at their hospitals nine months after Hurricane Florence. Hmm. The number of women have delivered or expected to deliver in June is 52% higher than May, 39% higher than in July, 45% higher than in August, and 23% higher than in September. Doctors say the calculated time of conception was around the hurricane, 
which is something that doctors have seen in the past with other natural disasters. I did not know that is what hunker down meant. I thought there was <laughs> that's, something else. That, yeah. that, that's, no. <laughs> where where no. were you when the lights went out? And, yeah. what? and what were you doing? <laughs> Let's Fine, busy. <laughs> finally, an Arkansas state police trooper has a new four-legged friend after saving a kitten from the dividing barrier on Interstate 49. Captain David Cooper was on patrol in Springdale yesterday when he noticed a kitten was scared and alone along the I-49 southbound inside shoulder. Cooper and his partner were able to rescue the little orange and white fuzzball and take him to the vet for a checkup. After getting a clean bill of health, Captain Cooper decided he'll adopt the kitten. But now his biggest struggle is deciding what to name it. Suggestions can be made on the Arkansas State Police Facebook page. So far, names uh, suggested include Lucky, Trooper, Rookie, and 49 for Interstate 49. Oh, that's not bad, but I like Trooper. Yeah. That's a good name, isn't it? Yeah, for you, the cat lover. Yeah, I was almost thinking Frogger after the game where the frog has to dodge the cars yeah, and going across the street. Along <laughs> that line, somebody suggested Dodger. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that's that one. Yeah. Uh, Pike for Jersey Piking. No, no. Find more on these stories on the Good Morning Orlando page at WFLAOrlando.com. Just look for Elsewhere. With Alan Spector. And Alan, thanks a lot. We may about to uh, have another national first here in Florida. We are one signature away from all Florida lottery tickets being required to have warning labels on them. Gambling warning labels labels on them is this something we should do or not our take and yours straight ahead after we update Orlando's news weather and traffic and we'll do that in only two minutes so hang with us if you can it's all ahead in two minutes on good morning orlando Headlines right now, the House is passing a $4.5 billion emergency funding package for the southern border. The measure providing funding for the agency tasked with housing unaccompanied migrant children. There's a companion bill in the Senate. They'd have to work together and try to reconcile those all before the 4th of July week-long recess begins after this Friday. We'll see. Updates at least every 10 minutes for you on our top stories throughout the morning. And good morning, Orlando. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando with Bud Henninger, Alan Spector, Michael Yaffe, and Melissa Fox on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Let's talk about the Florida Lottery right now. We've had it around since the 1980s, raised a lot of money for education, but then what would have been spent for education's gotten siphoned off to other things. But you know what? People enjoy playing the lottery. Uh, some people can afford to play it easily. Some people, you know, are, are, are spending money on lottery tickets when it would only make sense that they spend things on, 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 on essentials, you know, like maybe, you know, like milk for the kids or whatever. And I understand all of that. But there's a bill on Governor DeSantis' desk as we speak this morning. I don't know whether he'll sign it or not, but if he does, Florida will become the first state in the country that requires warning labels on lottery tickets. And I think it's ridiculous. Are we going to have, because of gambling, and gambling, in, well, here, here is what apparently the, uh, the warning label would say. This is according to David Whitley's column in the, in the Orlando Sentinel. Warning, lottery games may be addictive or play responsibly. Um, you know, I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, 
do we really need warning labels on lottery tickets? I mean, do we need warning labels on anything that might wind up being bad for us? We need warning labels on cars, on every socket in our house. I mean, come on. You know, at, at, at some point, you know, you need to know what you're doing and accept the risk and say, sure, I, I guess I could become hooked on it. I could become a gambling addict or whatever. I might be spending money I can't really afford. I don't need the government telling me that. I don't want warning labels on lottery tickets. Anybody? Yaffe, you were looking right at me here. you got an opinion on this. Well, I agree with you. For one, I don't think it's such an epidemic that people are getting addicted to the lottery that we need the warning labels in the first place. But two, you kind of know what you're getting into, don't you? <laughs> when you're playing the lottery, it's pretty obvious what you're getting into. And the Whitley column, he makes the point, Alan, and other people raise this, and I'd like to know your take on it, and we'll get to Melissa, too. That, you know, the people who play the lottery the most are the ones who can least afford to spend the money. That's my feeling. And uh, that's, I hate to see that. And you mentioned, you know, these are people who should be spending this money elsewhere. But they're looking, you know, they may be facing big debt, uh, looking at at this as a quick fix to get out of that. And uh, spending, you know, good money after bad as they continue to buy lottery tickets. Now, whether a warning label is going to dissuade them from doing that. I don't know. Well, that's an interesting question. You put a warning label on that, does it change anything? Or is everybody who's going to buy them going to buy them anyway? Um, you know, and it, it just seems to me that you have people who are on the low end of the income scale, and, and they're playing the lottery because it's their cheapest form of entertainment. You get a thrill out of the anticipation. You know, it isn't to try, I'm going to try to, you know, go for the mega millions here and expect to win it, but I'm just, for a buck or two, I get excitement in my life. I see people spending their whole paycheck on $20 scratch-offs, two, $300 at a purchase. Every, every week I've seen that. Now, I, I don't think that the warning label is going to work unless it's in three languages, English, Spanish, and painfully obvious. <laughs> All right, fair enough. But, but the there governor... is a sign already at the lottery stations that says about gambling problems and gives a phone number. Isn't that enough? It seems to me it should be enough. And enough, you know, with uh, with government, you know, you know, thinking that they need to tell us things we should know on our own, or ordering us to do one thing or another on our own. They're not ordering anything here, but I mean, to put a warning label on a lottery ticket for God's sakes, I'm sorry, it's kind of a nanny statish sort of thing, and I just have a problem with it. What what is your take on that? The governor is either going to sign it or he's not. If he signs it, will become the first state of the union that requires warning labels, gambling warning labels. On lottery tickets. I'm not a fan. You know what we think. What do you think? 407-916-5400. Text us at 23680. Oh, summertime, as the song says. Final track of local headlines for you right now. A woman is behind bars for killing a man in Orange County. 30-year-old Katrina Kelly jailed this week for the murder of 47-year-old Elias Bratcher of Apopka back in March. Bratcher's body was found in his car, but no details have been released. Deputies say they are looking for one more suspect. Stay tuned for updates at least every 10 minutes all morning on Good Morning Orlando. Listen to us anywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Search WFLA Orlando. The governor signs this bill on his desk. Florida will become the first state in the country to require gambling warning labels on lottery tickets. Let's go to Daryl, who joins us from Lake County. 
from the beautiful town of Tavares. Daryl, what about it? Do we need the warnings on the lottery tickets or not? No, we don't. We already have all the signs in the grocery stores. We don't need those. But what we do need are signs for the donuts and iced tea that I drink. What? Because I'm getting fatter every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. You see, we need warning labels for everything. Now, we... if you saw a warning label on a donut, would that stop you from eating it, Daryl? <laughs> I would start from the other side. <laughs> Oh, that's a good that's, plan. Oh boy. That's a great one. Well, they make yeah, they put is, calories and stuff on them now. Too. The whole thing, the whole thing is ridiculous. You know, they're trying to just, uh, you know, nobody's accountable for their own actions anymore. Well, if somebody so, and, had and warned me slope. before I lost my shirt and then my house, if somebody had only warned me, I wouldn't have bought those evil lottery things. Why nobody warned me? I get it, Daryl. I'm with you all the way. You want yes. something else in the convenience store where the lottery tickets are yeah. sold. You don't even more than you don't want a warning <laughs> label on the lottery tickets. What do you want, Yaffe? Well, the texter brought no, 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 this no, no, up, no, and we, I agree oh, with it. Oh, go ahead. What is it? What is it? Yeah, it says. Um, every, he says, "I wish they would get their own line in a gas station. Every time I go in to get a Polar Pop, you know, a soda or something, it takes 20 minutes." And I feel like I'm at a horse track. I know exactly how that guy feels. It drives me crazy. Well, if this guy knows what horse tracks are like, he's got a gambling problem. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they do have a thing where it won't let you pay with your debit card. To buy. So there, there are some stops in play. You can't buy lottery on a debit card or, or on a credit card. So yeah, you have to pay cash. You have to pay cash. So, I mean, again, they're trying a little bit. But really, do we need it spoon-fed? You're, no. you're responsible for yourself. What is everybody else saying? Anybody else there? I don't know. I just want people to get out of my way. And when I get my big gulp, <laughs> you know, can I just get my big gulp and leave, please? Yeah. See, someone says, let's start with the energy drinks first. What? Warning and, labels? Yeah, because those things are horrible for you. Hey, somebody, one of our texters says, hot stock tip, Florida-based gambling rehab centers. Jump on it early, bud. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the folks who run the lottery are afraid that the revenue is going to plummet off the warning labels. I disagree. No. I don't think anybody's going to sit there and say, I only smoke. Wait a minute. What does this say here? Uh, warning, lottery games may be addictive, play, response. Does it work on cigarettes? Oh, my God. I think I'm I'm hooked. Myrtle, Myrtle, we need to leave immediately. No more lottery. Please, is there anybody out there who's going to do that? Not somebody married to somebody named Myrtle. <laughs> oh, no, man. Yaffa, you got a show you know, for folks who are driving home this afternoon, might even be better than this one. Well, it may be. I, oh, that's a low bar. I kind of want to rant about this. Can I rant about this tonight? Yes, <laughs> it's your show. It's we PM do, Orlando, man. <laughs> we do have a preview of the Democrat debate tonight as well. Our Fox News radio reporter, Eben Brown, who will be reporting live from Miami, talking about it. Mark my words, the Supreme Court justices are coming down today with the ruling <laughs> I promised you on Monday. Today is the next chance for the ruling on the citizenship question on the census. How much you want to bet? I'm, I'm, I'll bet you. Oh, way to go. <laughs> oh, wait a lottery minute. ticket? By the way, wait a, a minute. caller just said off air to me, um, you know, you have to buy the ticket before you can read the warning label. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Anyway, mm. It's just crazy. Anyway, it's been great kicking around the hot topics all morning long with the gang here and and with the best audience in talk radio. Thanks for being a part of it all. We'll see you tomorrow morning. We'll watch the debate tonight, and we'll check out the Democrats in the morning. Thank you. God bless you, and God bless America.